Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah on the weekly Parsha from Rabbi Eli Kampfer. Let's listen in. What does it mean to call God great, mighty, and awesome? Gadol, Gibor, Venorah, as we do in the first blessing of the Amida. Perhaps we are praising God as creator of the world or redeemer of the Jewish people through miracles. After all, these are great, mighty, and awesome acts which humans could never perform. But the biblical context of this phrase points in a very different direction. In Parshat Ekev, we read, For God your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God, Ha'el HaGadol HaGibor V'Hanorah, who shows no favor and takes no bribe who does justice for the orphan and widow, and loves the stranger, providing him with food and clothing. You too must love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The phrase, great, mighty, and awesome in Parshat Akev is not a description of God's cosmic or miraculous creative abilities, but serves as an illustration of God's ethical commitments to the most vulnerable members of society. God does not take bribes, the currency of those with resources. Rather, God does justice for the widow and orphan, who have no resources. God loves the stranger, and, acting on that love, gives food and clothing. This definition of God's greatness is meant to surprise us, an illustration of God's greatness that is unexpected. As Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik noted, quote, In this blessing we describe God as mighty in an ethical sense. God's might is not concentrated only in the dynamic that governs the cosmic process, but extends into the realm of the moral as well. Mightiness is modeled on chesed. God saves those who cannot be delivered and redeemed on their own. Significantly, this description of God has direct implications for our behavior as humans. As Moshe says, quote, You too must love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That is, walking in God's ways, mentioned earlier in Deuteronomy 10.12, is now concretized. Israel must love the stranger just as God loves the stranger. The recitation of the phrase, great, mighty, and awesome, moves from a contemplation of God's transcendent powers, which can never really be fully described with human language, to a directive for a loving relationship with the stranger modeled on God's behavior. With this context in mind, the phrase in the Amidah is not a general praise of God, but rather a specific description, combined with an attempt to spur one to ethical action with the most vulnerable members of society. In other words, reciting this line is not a description of God's essence, but rather it is an opportunity to ask oneself, based on God's example, have I taken care of the widow, orphan, and stranger today? But what if the beautiful picture painted by Moshe is not the reality that we experience? How can we praise God as taking care of the vulnerable when we see the vulnerable suffering? This is an age-old challenge to prayer and religion in general, one that is expressed in the Talmud Yerushalmi. There, Rabbi Pinchas notes all four of the exact or near-exact quotations of this list of adjectives in the Bible and brings them into dialogue with each other around this question of how we can praise God in a world filled with pain. Quote, Rabbi Pinchas said, Moshe established the form of the Amidah, the great, mighty, and awesome God. 
Jeremiah said the great and mighty God, but did not say awesome. Why did he say mighty? One who can watch the destruction of his house and be quiet is fittingly called mighty. And why didn't he say awesome? Because only the temple is awesome, as it says, awesome is God from his sanctuary. Daniel said the great awesome God, but did not say mighty. His sons have been given over to chains, so where is God's might? Why did Daniel say awesome? For the awesome things God did for us in the fiery furnace, God is fittingly called awesome. When the men of the great assembly arose, they returned greatness to its earlier place, saying, the great, mighty, and awesome God. In this Midrash, Rabbi Pinchas starts out by establishing the baseline for this phrase, our text from Parshat Ekev, in which God takes care of the vulnerable. He notes how Moshe wrote the line that was set to be included in the Amidah. But the next time this phrase is spoken, Jeremiah has eliminated the word awesome. After all, God can only be called awesome when the temple is standing. And in Jeremiah's time, the temple was destroyed. He simply cannot call God awesome anymore. Notably, Jeremiah does continue to call God mighty. But Rabbi Pinchas notes how the word mighty has gone through an interpretive shift. This is not the might that is displayed in Moshe's formulation, where God, through that might, saves those in need. By contrast, this is a might that is expressed in God's holding back from interfering with the punishment that is deserved. God wants to step in and save. Instead, God watches the destruction and does not intervene. We often think of might as taking action, but here might is expressed as inaction, a form of self-restraint. This could be compared to a parent who viscerally wants to protect their child from a consequence, even though the consequence is deserved. It takes might to hold back, and is a twist on Benzoma's statement, quote, who is mighty? The one who conquers his will. Indeed, One could view this in a pious light, in which Jeremiah is in fact praising God for being strong by not intervening, or in a more ironic light, in which Jeremiah is frustrated with God's inaction. In the interpretation of Rabbi Pinchas, this phrase continues to journey through history. The prophet Daniel, living in exile a few generations after Jeremiah and the destruction, refuses to say the word mighty, adding a third interpretation to this adjective. If the Israelites are in chains, where is God's might? Daniel cannot say this word, which Jeremiah had reinterpreted, anymore. Interestingly, Daniel restores the word awesome, which Jeremiah refused to say, noting that God is called awesome only when the temple is standing and that temple has been destroyed. By contrast, Daniel is able to call God awesome for the awesome things that God did directly for him and his compatriots, including miraculously rescuing them. This is an apt expression of the paradox many survivors feel. On the one hand, God's might is absent, evident in the previous destruction. On the other hand, God is present and performing miracles even in exile. Daniel cannot fully write off God's presence in his personal life, even if he harbors some anger and disappointment about being forced to live in exile. The men of the Great Assembly, a group of sages which, according to rabbinic tradition, includes Nehemiah, in whose book the phrase is finally mentioned, they get the final stay, restoring the full phrase, including both mighty and awesome. They have returned to the land, 
and are able to recite the full phrase, God is, quote, great, mighty, and awesome. But what does great, mighty, and awesome mean in their restored version? It is more than just a repetition of what Moshe stated in Parshat Akev. These words have gone through an interpretive and historical journey, and the restored version of the phrase brings this journey along with it. Thus, when the worshiper recites these words in the Amidah, it is not the idealized first encounter of Moshe's formulation, but a more history-worn version that has experienced the destruction of the temple, God's restraint, and the placing of Israel in chains. The three adjectives, great, mighty, and awesome, are weighty ones, painfully aware of God's true actions, or lack thereof, in the world. We can say the full phrase again, but not without remembering the times when our prophets could not. How does Rabbi Pinchas's Midrash impact our understanding of this line in the Amidah? When I recite this phrase, I am aware that I can't be describing God's essence with adjectives. Sometimes I think of my obligation to love and support the downtrodden as expressed by Moshe in Parshat Akev. But sometimes I think of the way in which the nature of my connection with God is informed by the historical journey of our people. I can say the full phrase, great, mighty, and awesome, because I'm grateful not to live in a time of utter destruction and complete exile. And yet, I am aware and remember the earlier iterations, when our greatest leaders could not say the whole phrase. Saying this phrase becomes a moment to acknowledge the complexity that our people has experienced in its journey through time with God. Shabbat Shalom. Our producers for this episode are Sam Greenberg and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to Nadav Remez for editing this episode. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you.